have the courage to look at the challenges in your life and learn from them. That's what I would say. And where it takes you is always wonderful. Tired, weary, frustrated. What would you be doing if you weren't raising children alone? What's stopping you from living your best life now? On Solar Moms Talk, I discuss with solar mothers the challenges you face raising children alone. So if you're a working solar mom dealing with independent children, insensitive bosses, weight and health issues, or even debt collectors, join us as we discover your path to get and stay healthy, increase your income, and live with joy and purpose. In this My guest today is Dr. Terry Zachary, former pro golfer and sports chiropractor, developer of Handmaster Plus. And that's a very interesting topic, um, Dr. Zachary, um, because it has nothing to do with solo moms, right? Well, it has. It appears to have nothing to do with solo moms, but uh, it has everything to do with solo moms. Um, hold that thought. <laughs> I will. I'm happy to hold that thought, but we'll talk about this, and I'm excited too. Yes, me too. Thank you. Thank you for coming and talking to us on Solo Moms Talk. And before we get into um, our subject matter, could you tell us who is Terry Zachary? So Terry Zachary is, uh, I like to think, a young man, probably getting to be less of a young man, but aging well. Um, yeah, and I was uh, I was raised by, you know, uh, my mom was a single mom when I was about oh, four or five years old, and my brother and I are 11 months apart. Uh, so mom, just because of a situation, we still had a great relationship with, with our dad under the circumstances. Um and there was alcohol involved, and Mum basically wanted to take us to more healthy environment, and that's where I came from. But uh, Terry Zachary himself was was affected a lot by all of those circumstances. Um, but I was really naturally myself driven into sports and athleticism. I loved uh, both of my parents, my mom and my dad, were both involved in sports, and so I think I got a, a healthy natural exposure to that, and then. It didn't offend me because I loved it. I loved, I grew up in hockey. I'm Canadian, so Rosemary, by by law, we pretty much have to play hockey first. And then, uh, so hockey and got into golf and basketball and eventually golf won out. And those were, if I can even think that I had stressors in my life, uh, which we can talk about more, it was golf was always my ultimate happy place. And and as I got better at golf, you got more detail orientated and you had to learn about your how your body moves and that naturally got me into I think picking the vocation of of uh, being a sports chiropractic I ended up having a practice that was half sports half family and my mom who was of course we can talk about as much as you like was uh was you know pretty much my mentor and my idol I, I saw how she lived her life and she was involved in healthcare. she was a public health nurse so I was naturally driven to those two things through my parents, and I coupled them, and I've I've always enjoyed them, and uh, I I love my work, and uh, end up 
becoming a professional golfer. Um, it was after my dad passed away, actually. Um, I went for the dream. I was always supported to go for these dreams. I didn't make the PGA Tour, if uh, if that's any question to any of your audience. <laughs> but I did. I was exposed to so many injuries and and a lot of them repetitive grip injuries that I worked on in practice. I I had taken some time off of practice, so that led me to simplifying my four or five exercises that I did when I had time in practice and developing a product called Handmaster Plus, which. Uh, once I stopped playing golf, I went back into practice and I saw that sports and music and workplace and every place had the same mechanics of the repetitive, repetitive gripping problems that I learned in golf. And everything just went from point to point to point. And even though my dream of playing professional golf didn't work, it opened up the world to me to help other people, which is what I do now. And we've, we've helped literally over a million people around the world and, I love love what I do. Love getting up to work every day, and uh, and a lot of that stemmed from my roots, uh, from the example of my mom. Absolutely, no doubt. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for for detailing that for us. Yes, I have three sons, and I'm just proud to be a mom. And I, I was a divorced mom, so um, my sons just make mothering so much so much a pleasure, even all the struggles. So yeah. Uh, and I'm also Canadian, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm in London, but I'm in, I'm Canadian. Yes. Yeah, all right. All yes, right. Yes. All right. So um, you kind of spoiled it for me, but that's okay. Um. <laughs> make your job tough. That's my job. Make it <laughs> I guess I'm so. To be on, so I'm now I'm rambling and taking all your questions. Exactly. Yeah, that's all right. That's quite all right. Um, so we are going to talk about the hands, right? Yeah. And what you you mentioned that in playing golf, because you have to grip a stick. Yeah. Pardon my phrase. Yeah, no, that's, but that's, <laughs> that's basically the mechanics, and it's very basic. Right. Yeah. And and that caused you some problem. Explain those um injuries and the problems you had with your grip and other injuries that would occur on an everyday basis, say to a mom in an office setting, say. So I'm giving you a free reign here. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that because okay. uh, when I first looked, when I was first involved in grip, it had to do mostly with athletes. I dealt with professional athletes and amateur athletes in my practice. A lot to mm-hmm. do with hockey and golf because that's what my background was. But it turned into a lot of things. But when I went, when I took time off practice and chased the dream of professional golf, uh what would happen is inevitably I was playing mini tours. So, you know, PGA tour involves airplanes and uh, pretty high, uh, lifestyle pursuits. Mini tours involves a lot of traveling from little tournaments to little tournaments in cars. You get to know your group quite well. And as people, uh, as the players got to know me, they realized that I had some background in, in sports chiropractic. So when they had injuries, they would come to me a lot of times. So when you say, um, you know, I, I learned a lot from just watching golfers grip a stick. It's very similar. Hockey stick, golf club, tennis racket, the mechanics are the same. So what I learned very specifically in that environment extrapolates to many things, which I can tell you about as well. But 
At that point, golfers would come to me. And, and remember, I'd been in practice for about five years before I pursued this. And so I knew a lot about the grip muscles and I had questioned everything. Another thing about, you know, not to go back to my, to my mom all the time, but that's another thing is that my mom in a small town in Alberta, I'm from Medicine Hat originally. That's where I grew up. I love okay. it. It's a great town. I, I loved my upbringing. It had a lot to do with me as well, but it was back in those days. It was a little bit outside the box to be divorced and do this, but mom was always after what was right. And uh, that was the way it was going to be. And, and there it went. So I was able, something in me always looked at, I don't care what the box says, like uh, an in-hand exercise. As I went through school and I went through looking at training, I had always just taken something and gripped it, like a spring-loaded mechanism or a coiled mechanism or a racquetball or something like that. And that's what I was told to do until I was really educated about it. And then I looked and I saw, wait a minute, I started studying the grip muscles and where they originate and where they attach. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is way more than just the hand. We've got a, we've got, as it works out, we've got 27 muscles of grip, not just the nine that close. So to your original idea, what does grip involve? Well, all of a sudden I started to see finger and thumb and wrist problems, a lot of wrist problems, a lot of carpal tunnel problems, and a lot of elbow problems. So these mm-hmm. players that would uh, know everything about their equipment and and really know most things about their body as well. Most most of these athletes were high level athletes, even though it was mini tour. It's it's the best of the best in college come to play in these areas. So they've studied they've studied their body quite well, but nobody knew anything about grip because that's all they saw too. Is you take something and squeeze it, and I've got grip done. Right. So when they ran into these problems, I could recognize it very easily. Like I was in a position to say, "Wait a minute." I've seen this in practice for five years. I've known how ignorant we are about the, about the hand muscles. And so I was able to talk to them right away. What do you do? What are you doing for grip? They would either do nothing or they would be taking something and squeezing it. Oh, and I say, what do you do with the muscles that open and spread the hand? Do you exercise those at all? And they had no idea what I was talking about. And then it goes from there. So I knew about this already. They would come up with, let's say, an elbow problem. They had no idea an elbow problem was directly related to repetitive grip. So I would have to explain to them that the grip muscles, your, your flexor muscles, attach all the way at your elbow. Some are inherent or intrinsic in your hand, yes. But I would say nine muscles close your hand and they attach all the way to the elbow. Excuse me, I've got a jacket, but they would attach all the way to the medial elbow, the ones that mm-hmm. close. The muscles that stabilize your grip are the extensor muscles. Like we don't, we have nine muscles that open and spread the hand. They're on the back of the fingers, thumb and hand wrist all the way to the elbow. So when you grip something, you are statically contracting those muscles, just meaning in one position. And that's the grip. And they didn't understand that when you do that and you're hitting golf balls, practicing every day, putting every day, chipping every day, bunker shots every day. Then you go into tournaments and you're playing every day those muscles become very static. Same thing, the carpal tunnel gets shut down, the thumb gets shortened, the finger gets shortened. If we don't know how to offset this, it's like having bad posture. If you're doing something forward all your day, which mums will be doing, and I'm, I'm slowly tying this into mums, but it started out with recognizing the mechanics. Yeah. You do this and you grip all day. If you don't do something to offset that, 
you're going to run into problems. And those problems could be things you don't think about. Finger thumb problems, hand problems, you might relate it to that. But carpal tunnel problems, forearm problems, elbow problems, a lot of times you don't think that's a grip problem. You just think it's right. a problem. So to continue it going, they would, I saw repetitive, I saw pro golfers come to me with these concepts and they might have a carpal tunnel problem. They might have an elbow problem. They might have a finger, a wrist problem very commonly. And they would think, well, the wrist is different than grip. And I would say, absolutely not. These muscles are so diverse that anytime we get a repetitive grip imbalance, when those muscles that close the hand start to be too shortened and the muscles that open and spread the hand aren't healthy and they're not uh, trained through their full range of motion, any one of these areas are going to become imbalanced. They're going to, they're going to be, there's going to be a muscle imbalance, therefore a structure imbalance, and you're going to have poor blood flow and poor lymph drainage. So how is that area supposed to keep healthy? All right. So the golfers would be accepting of this, but then I would get him on three or four, five, four or five different exercises to train the grip. And that's when over, over time, about three in the morning at some point, you know, I saw I had to do something easier for these people. So I woke up with a little aha moment at three in the morning and it just said, you know, if I open up a ball and put a elastic resistance material through that ball, I should be able to just close and open and spread. And that hand should go through its full range of natural three-dimensional range of motion with resistance. And that should be it. And I got up at three o'clock in the morning, whatever town I was in, we were traveling and just started to draw up the ideas and just do research on it. And lo and behold, and I left out at that particular time, there was a person I was traveling with that had a debilitating tennis elbow. He's playing mini tour golf where there's not much money available. He had two children and a wife at home. He was pretty panicked. And I realized, you know, we got to get something easier. And that's when that three o'clock in the moment in the morning moment happened. And that's when we developed a rough prototype the next day, had him started with that, got him rebalanced. And it all started from there. We started in golf. I didn't make it as a golfer. So I went back into practice and I just started to see every Every grip sport has this problem. Every music has this problem. Music was always repetitive, gripping the way that most musicians think to help it. Every mum has this problem. Every ergonomic situation has this problem. And then from that, that's the background. And as we go then, Rosemary, I can speak to mums specifically, and I'll show you some of the problems in that. And then the, the mums that are listening might understand the background I'm talking from to address their problems. Okay. Yeah, because I want I want to ask you actually. Um I worked in an office and they I didn't have any issues with my hands. Um but one of the ladies I worked with, she had a terrible problem with carpal tunnel. You know, she always wore a strap on yep. her hand and she would complain of all this pain. Um so that wasn't a grip. It's I, I'm I'm guessing it's from comp, uh, repetitive, you know, motion on the keyboard because she worked on a computer. No. I mean, can you explain that? Because the the gripping, I understand because you're you're probably forcing your hand to do something it's not naturally supposed to yeah. be doing. Yeah. Is that the same as typing? Like, how how would you explain that? You know, since it's so common. 
it's uh, you know you know because this is such a new area to address. We've addressed this for we've been looking at this for probably twenty years, but it's a really good question. I don't know that I've ever had that question. So when you look at the mechanics of typing, so a person might think, well, you know, I'm not doing a whole bunch. I'm just typing. Yeah. But I want you now. Now I also will say that most people, their whole life isn't just the typing, but the typing is one of the categories that will exacerbate and really challenge the whole mechanics of how the fingers work. And, mm-hmm. and that's a bit. I'll unpack that comment. But away from the office, maybe she may be knitting. She may be uh, an artist. She may be doing many other things that would challenge it. And on top, and then I'll. Talks, talk specifically because we have a big background on typing, which is similar to keyboards, which is similar to, I'll say, uh, dental hygienists, let's say, anytime where there's palm down. Mm-hmm. So whenever we talk about, let's say, strictly about typing, piano playing, organ playing, any anybody that does something on a regular basis, day in, day out with palm down. Here's the challenge to the whole mechanical, uh, the whole kinetic chain of grip. If I'm palm down, I I don't know if I'm showing this really well, but once I'm palm down, let's say if I'm doing anything, anything with my fingers, the straight, clean mechanics are whenever I grip something, if I'm a golfer, if I'm just gripping something, if I'm on on an assembly line, once I grip something, my finger flexors, which part of them attach intrinsically in the hand. And I will Mm -hmm. say a lot of them originate right on that carpal tunnel, which is very interesting Mm -hmm. talking about carpal tunnel syndrome. So anytime I'm gripping and grasping, you can see that carpal tunnel just mechanically shut down. Now, if I'm I'm gripping a knitting needle or a paintbrush, it even grips down. Or a knife, right? Chopping. It even even grips down more. So I'm shutting that down. If I don't do anything to oppose it, the muscles that oppose it that open and spread the hand, and I said spread because people think, well, the opening hand muscles must be a little bit important. No, they're hugely important because when they open and spread, that offsets and supports my carpal tunnel nice and open. First point. Right. So most people in their regular life are grabbing things. You know, you're grab- you're around the house, you're going to be gripping and grabbing things. You're slowly starting the imbalance. Mm-hmm. If I'm in the office, now I'm palm down is another problem. Whenever my fingers go to hit a keyboard, okay, there is a little contraction because remember the finger flexors are going to do that, right? And those flexors attach mm-hmm. inside, but also all the way down to the elbow, right? So they're going, the tendons go through the carpal tunnel and then they attach down onto the elbow, the main finger flexors, okay? Yes. So one thing is that these muscles back here are contracting to support that finger flexion. Okay, so they have to contract. It's a co-contraction. Whenever your fingers and thumbs do something, these muscles back here, the thumb and the finger muscles, have to contract to support that. It's a lot if you've never heard it before, Mm -hmm. but it is quite basic. So if I'm doing this, not only are my finger flexors doing a little bit, but my finger extensors have to support that contraction. The thing to understand is now, my finger flexors are dropping with gravity. So it's not that hard. Okay. But the flexor tendons that go through the carpal tunnel are active all the time. The second thing is though, the finger extensor muscles that are supporting that are against gravity. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, if I was mm-hmm. this way, the fingers yeah. would have an easier job, but the flexors would have a harder job. Okay. So if right. I'm lifting a cow for some reason, right? The finger flexors are really under stress. So, anyways, let, let's let's move on from that. But the second problem that happens and why the grip gets really challenged is when I've got when I'm palmed down on a computer, people would say, that's not that heavy a work. Like, why would anybody complain about that work? But not only are my finger extensor tendons having to support the flexion of the grip, but they also have to hold the fingers up against gravity the whole time that I put Mm -hmm. my hands on the keyboard. So those finger extensor muscles are being built and they're contracting in a small range of motion. Remember, fully open is this, right? Fully open. If I was to train a bicep muscle and I held a brick in one position and and somebody said, what are you doing? Well, I'm training my bicep. Well, they would say, that's not the way you train a bicep. You, you, you take it through its full range of motion. That's mm-hmm. how I make a strong, healthy muscle. But yet, with our finger extensors, when I'm typing all day, I'm building a small range of motion in that fingers that are contracting subtly all day. Otherwise, your fingers would fall down, right? All right, all right. So there's, there's, the mechanics are very stressed on anybody that works at a computer or plays keyboard or is a dental hygienist. That's a whole other story. Um, that's where you can draw the line. So your your support muscles become very static, very poor blood flow, and very weak over time. So that starts to put all the stress onto the flexor muscles. I know it's a long explanation, but you have to create that background yes. to say how does somebody get carpal tunnel syndrome from typing? Right, when typing. The first thing any ergonomic person will say is that make sure the you know you're you're even with the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Often, what happens? People have the keyboard positioned in, improperly. Right. And if there's any angle, remember those finger flexors come from your medial elbow. Mm-hmm. They come all the way through, and there's eight of them. Right, you've got these deep finger flexors and superficial fle- finger flexors that bunch through this tiny carpal tunnel. It's about the size of the thickness of your thumb. And that's where the median nerve comes as well. So when I've got that coming through and my mechanics aren't great with my support muscles over time, these finger flexors really have to start to work quite a bit, but they are always flexing in that small little carpal tunnel. So Mm -hmm. over time, you can easily like have a little micro injuries of the tendons, or you can get a little swelling in the carpal tunnel. And if we don't do X, if we don't understand that, hey, I work at a, you know, a computer every day, I have to do something to prepare my body properly because this is a physical challenge, then we will never think about doing ergonomic exercises like I suggest. But until we identify that as a difficult problem, we say, oh, you don't need to prepare your body for that. All you're doing is this. Okay. I would say, wait a minute, you're doing this you better prepare your body for that. And that's why, again, this exercise that we've talked about earlier, it can, it'll prepare your hand muscles to their full natural range of motion. It'll keep your mechanics of grip strong so that you're efficient. And then the other thing, the last thing I'll always talk about, about carpal tunnel having to do with anything, with anything, but, as, but uh, including computers, is that if you exercise on a regular basis, your body... Being being internally wise knows to 
bring blood maximum blood flow and maximum lymph drainage because now you're using your hand through its full range of motion. And that's what happens. If I do this all day, static motion, you do not stimulate maximum blood flow because mm-hmm. your body's going like, I've got food to digest. I've got hair to replace. I've got, you know, whatever hormones to balance. If rosemary's all only going through this small range motion, I'm not going to spend time making sure great blood flow and great lymph drainage comes there. But if you're doing this every now and then at your breaks with resistance, okay, an easy exercise, and I can show you the exercise to your audience if you want to, but basically we're, we have a ball where you close against a ball and you open against the resistance of the finger elastics that go through the ball. Now I'm training my hand through a regular range of motion. Uh, I'm getting blood flow to all the mechanics of the grip and I'm very efficient with blood, blood flow and lymph drainage through the carpal tunnel. And now I've got, I'm going to have a healthy carpal tunnel. It's a big challenge though. And until we recognize the computers are a big physical challenge, nobody's going to do anything about it. And right. we're going to have the same conversation that you or, you and I are going to have. Like, why is it happening? Right. It's happening because it's a challenge physically. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. I also want you to um, tell me, uh, like, tell us, because we, you know, I'm going to release this as an audio podcast first. Yeah. Um, one what type of rec, um, exercise do you recommend apart from just regular exercising? Because yeah. you hinted that you hinted that that's what's important: exercising yeah. the body. But are there specific exercises that one can do to mitigate some of this damage? Especially if you're always you're typing or you're a chef chopping all you know all day, a uh, musician playing the keyboard, stuff like that. And two, and this is kind of off topic. Well, not off topic, but moving on. You are a chiropractor, and I really appreciate the work chiropractors do. I've been rear-ended three times, so I do. Mm-hmm. Tell us what role a chiropractor plays in an injury like a carpal tunnel syndrome. Does that? Yeah, yeah. Boy, a really good question. So, so um, exercise-wise. <clears throat> I would say that, that your audience, and, and even if I have your audience, as long as your audience understands, I'll go a little deeper in grip. So I want to, usually when I speak about this, it's so foreign to people. But we remember the first point that I had is in the nine muscles close your hand. Those muscles mm-hmm. are generally in the front of your fingers, thumb, hand, wrist, carpal tunnel, forearm, and elbow where they attach. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's really complicated if you get deeper than that. But if that's all you remember, good. Okay. Then when you turn your hand backwards, you've got nine muscles that open and spread your hand. They're on the back of the fingers, thumb, hand, wrist, forearm, and elbow. Okay. So there's that balance there that you always want to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. If your audience remembers nothing but that, they'll really never exercise their hands improperly again. But the last point that I will say that is in your forearm, you also have another set of about nine muscles. It is nine muscles that will position your wrist for whatever you do during the day. If you're a young mom and you're holding a baby, your wrist is going to be in a certain position that you have to recognize is imbalanced. Mm-hmm. If you don't want, if you don't offset that in some way or prepare your body, you're going to have problems. So nine muscles close the hand, nine muscles open and spread the hand, and nine muscles control the position of the wrist. So to exercise, 
you want to just like any other part of your body. This one's just a lot trickier and there's a lot more muscle. So I think that's why people have stayed away from it for this long of a time. You want to exercise your hands like that. Now, I can take even your viewers or your listeners through. You just put your hand up, squeeze your hand closed for a second. Then open your hand, spread spread it open and wide for a second. Then take your wrist while you're still open and spread and move it through a figure eight, as wide as you can through a figure eight. Okay? So you do that. Now close again for one. Open and spread for one. And move your wrist through a full figure eight, as full as you can do it. That exercise right there has mm. just exercised 27 muscles. And Rosemary, wow. <laughs> as you do it, you will feel, holy mackerel, I've got a lot of muscles in there that I had no mm. idea are there. But All the way up, yeah. And this Terry guy is telling me they're very important, and mm. they are. So... That's the exercise. When you put our product on, I don't know if anybody's watching, but all I'm doing, this this is the soft version. All I would do is put the, a thumb on, and then I'd put the fingers on, and then all I'm going to do, Rosemary, is that exact same exercise. I'm going to close against a ball. I'm going to open and spread against those central cords. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to do a figure eight with that uh, Okay. Close, open, figure eight. And again, that was what we had to do is to do that so people could could do all 27 muscles, have good, healthy grip, and all of the muscles are through their full natural range of motion. So that's the, that's the exercise um, that anybody that uses their hands, and, and there's also studies, and your, your, your audience should know, I didn't start out knowing this, but your audience should know, and they can look up, there was even a study in the Washington Post, or a reflection of a study that shows how strong grip muscles are correlated directly with longevity of life too. Mm. So the one thing that comes out of strengthening any part of your body through its full range of motion is that you'll get strong balanced muscles, but you'll also get maximized blood flow and lymph drainage. And that's how you get nutrients to your tissues and how you get, you know, toxins and end products from muscle contraction out of your, away from your body. So mm-hmm. you have to have that good circulation. Um, now I forget the second question that you asked. Uh, you talked what, about exercise. Um, what role do, do chiropractors play in? Yeah. So the role chiropractors are going to play in any kind of hand problems, but uh, I'll talk specifically to mums because the challenge is again, we never take care of our family and our house and all the responsibilities that we have to do by ourselves. We never do it half the day forward and half the day backwards. Okay, so again, we're getting into those comments that I would like the audience to really recognize is that our lives are physical activities. We have to understand if you're a professional golfer, you're going to have these challenges where you're, you know, you're, you're closing your hands a lot, you're, you're, you're tilting your body one way. But as a mom or as anyone, or if you're in the office, you have certain other challenges. You have to look at it and say, the, the role of chiropractic is always to say, at the end of the day, we want your body on its vertical center. Okay, so when your body's on its vertical center, and our job is to adjust people, so we, we make physical adjustments to maintain that body on its vertical center, but we should also be educating 
people on regular exercise, how to also have balance in their nutrition, etc. But I'll get back to the core is when the spine is on its vertical center, because even if somebody's got, let's say, a shoulder problem, if my if you'll see people and, and I'll I'll probably wreck part of your life. If you start looking at people's shoulders, when you just are out walking in public, you'll see that a lot of shoulders are like this. The head's tilted like this. you got all these problems. And if that's not corrected, if that body's not brought onto its vertical center, the shoulders are, are not working normally. Each shoulder, this one's on one side, is a whole different mechanic. The hips aren't, are working in imbalance. The knees are getting weight imbalanced. The ankles are getting weight imbalanced. The whole body works imbalanced. Sometimes in this political environment of ours, people will say, well, I don't know about those chiropractors. And I say, don't even think about the title. Think about what we're trying to accomplish. If you don't believe your body should be on a vertical center, I would challenge in any way, in any mechanics to say, how can you explain that if the body's not in its vertical center, your body's working balanced? It just can't do it. There's a reason we get arthritis in one hip and not the other. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why, you know, the, you, the basis of chiropractic and what, what it lends to our health is we want to encourage our body, our, our patients, and our, you know, basically our communities to be on their vertical center. And what does that take to do it? You have to understand, first of all, again, that it's important. And the second of all, you have to understand that as we do our day, we're, we're doing things in imbalanced conditions and in imbalanced um, challenges that we need to do. And then when we do that day after day after day after day, we have to realize it's very difficult to stay on the vertical center unless we you know, do something to be aware of it and, and correct it. Just the same as if I'm repetitive gripping, if I'm a golfer or a hockey player or a guitar player or I'm in the office, it's very difficult to keep those mechanics healthy and performing well if we don't understand them and we don't do something to offset the imbalance. Does that make sense? So yes. It's all about keeping your natural design of your body as neutral as possible and making sure your body's on its vertical center where we operate, where our body that you know, grew itself. Like we have these wise bodies and we forget that the health comes from inside. And if we keep that body in balance, that health is expressed unbelievably. But if we don't pay attention to that, we're always chasing other peripheral ways of treating Mm -hmm. the result, which is pain. We say, bring the body in its vertical center and, and, you know, um, live your life in accordance to, to, to the balance of yourself with gravity and you're going to see you perform well and you don't have, and you have very good health. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for explaining it. I, I understand it because I've used a chiropractic service over the years, but I find that there's a lot of misunderstanding about yeah. the practice. And so I wanted you to explain it, especially in this context. So thank you. Yeah. One, more, one more thing I'll add to it, just so people understand is that mm-hmm. uh, the, the vital thing about chiropractic is what we, what we talked about the body on its vertical center is how the body works the best. The second, probably the second thing to add that I've left out that's important to know for, for your audience is that the big thing about why we talk about the spine so much is that the spine houses the the spinal cord and that's where all the messages from brain you know all these basically 
you know, you could think of them like electrical wires, but all the messages from the brain to the rest of the body come through that spine. Mm-hmm. We want to we we want to see a spine balance so those messages so that the the nerves and the nerve attachments aren't all twisted and sheared, and we're not having a problem with that because communication of brain out to body and body back to brain is is how we kind of balance our homeostasis by nature. So that's the one thing I don't want to leave out to your people is that it's important that your spine's on its vertical center because it it houses the the entire nervous system communication. And if we're seeing shearing and twisting and leaning and all that, you can start you can start to see interruption of those signals. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Zachary, for explaining it all. Now, I want you to tell us how you help your clients and how we can get in touch with you. Yeah, uh, they can. Uh, our main website is uh, docsac.com. It's D-O-C-Z-A-C.com or for our country, Z-A-C.com. Um, they can go there. Our my email, my direct email message will always come to me if it's a question about mechanics is info at docsac.com. Um, in, and, and they can get a hold of it. There's lists of our distributors if they want to get a hold of Handmaster Plus. And again, it, it's, we don't go on promoting it all that much all the time. But once you see that there's these exercises and how complicated they are, it makes everything super simple. You do it a couple of minutes a day and you are going to stay strong and balanced. Uh, but we also have, if, if you have any Americans, there's distributors. We have uh, Kroger is one of our main places that you can go get it in person. So Kroger's also called Smith's and Lee's and Ralph's in different situations. So we do have some kind of brick and mortar people, especially in the States. But otherwise, if you're in Canada or if you're different places around the world, uh, we're a basically have distributors most areas around the world and that's available on our website if if you're looking for that but any information questions uh feel free to get a hold of me okay all right thank you and we will put the link to your website in the show notes okay all right so i'm gonna let you go i'm sorry i kept you longer than i thought i would but um my pleasure yes of course um give a solo mom one piece of advice um in regards to taking care of herself in in the realm of, you know, your spine, your nervous system, et cetera? You know, it's interesting because I think I can couple what I what I say a lot about one piece of advice when I leave with with my situation of how my mom raised us. And I'm I'm raising children now as we've talked about. We've got three kids. We're two boys, one girl. And I think the biggest thing that can be impressed on people is that single, I know a single mom situation you have to have, I know I heard one of your podcasts and you have the word courage is really important to me. Anything you do in your life, you can, you, it's going to take courage to do everything. It took courage. And I saw my, my mom had the example where she just, she didn't talk to us a lot, but she lived her, she lives, my mom's about to turn about to have her 80th birthday. She's still in great health because she's got the courage to look in to see what the, you know, what is the best way to live your life. And I would say, have the courage to take a second and realize uh, really how the opportunities in your life and, and that you are this miraculous design. Even if you have um, the challenge of raising children by yourself, sometimes that will bring 
the necessity for courage out in you. I think sometimes people have this, well, everything's good in my life. There's actually less challenge to have to rise above and really get acute to to the problems. Just like when I was on tour, everything I rose to figured out the acuteness of seeing these repetitive grip injuries. And now we help people all over the world. So have the courage to look at the challenges in your life and learn from them. That's what I would say. And where it takes you is always wonderful. Um, And I think that is, that's my best thing is that life is a learning experience. And sometimes the challenges in life is what helps us study them instead of leaving, you know, going away Mm -hmm. from them. Or if you're having pain in your life, don't just anesthetize it. Don't just get bottles of wine out or whatever. You know, not that I'm against a drink of wine, but uh, don't run away from the challenges in your life. Look at them and see what that's there to teach you. And I I found that uh, my situation with a single mom and going into chiropractic and, and going to all these things that were a little bit, you know, that had some stigma to them in a weird way. They helped me so much because eventually you see that, man, there is a bit of a little box that people think about these situations. Have the courage to just forget about the box, see what these challenges in your life are teaching you and go for them. And there's always, that's the best time to learn. And, and that's how I think we evolve quickly. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Terry Zachary, for coming and speaking to us today. I really appreciate you. Well, I really, really love your show and I love what you're doing and I'm thrilled and honored to be on it and uh, happy that you had me. Thank you.